Facebook page. Hey everybody, this is Scott Perry and this is a special episode of Creative on Purpose Live. I am here with my good friend Nikki Lerner. We are engaged in this new project called What's Going On and we're just here to talk about current events in a way that is um, that I don't think either one of us is claiming to be an expert, of course, but we're both uh, engaged in work that has to do with culture and inclusion and diversity and making things better for everyone. And since we're having these conversations in private, they were so rich and illuminating for us, we just decided that we were gonna start having them out loud and in public. So I'm delighted to have you here again, Nikki. Um, I've only alluded to what you do, so why don't you fill us in with some details about what, what you're up to. Well, hi, everybody. Glad to be with you again today. My name is Nikki Lerner, and I'm a culture coach. You're, not, you're like, what does that mean, right? Well, I help uh, individuals and organizations move from monocultural to multicultural in their work and their life. Um, oftentimes, I like to tell people, you know, I usually act as a translator uh, between <laughs> uh, people uh, culturally who do not understand one another because they're not speaking the same language. So that's some of the work that I'm involved in. And I'm also an artist and a musician, just like Scott. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's just me in a tiny, tiny little nutshell. Yeah, I've decided that I'm going to start referring to you as a culture whisperer. How's that? Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like you got to get close for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know you what I'm do. saying? Especially, you gotta... especially if you're an old musician. <laughs> <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for today, you and I mm -hmm. just had a quick back and forth by email about what what are we going to lead off with, and I, you know, I've been really interested in in asking you to share some of the things that you've helped me understand, just in terms of, you know, we're we're in this situation where once again, you know racial divide, old wounds uh, in this country around race, around the dominant culture um, have resurfaced in a way that is you know, distressing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're confronted again and using these words that half the time I don't, I personally don't fully understand, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is, what is, what does that actually mean? And so, mm -hmm. you know, just to begin with, like when we talk about race, what what do we mean by race? Mm. Well, see, this is this will be the tricky part of our conversation because I think different different people use some of these terms in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so, oftentimes when we talk about race, that can be used interchangeably with ethnicity. So um, some of the conversations, you know, I've seen or been a part of is try is that's really a, a problem for some people and a stumbling block because it's sort of like, but wait a minute, aren't we just the human race? Like we're not a different race, right? And that's true. We are the human, we are the human race. And within that, I would say when you hear people within the context of talking about uh, the things going on right now or old wounds, you will hear um, race and ethnicity oftentimes used interchangeably. I prefer the word ethnicity. I think it's a little clearer um, for my work anyway. Um, and I love, the, you know, I love the word culture 
because uh, oftentimes, you know, color and culture are not equated together. Uh, it's, it's very diverse. So, so what, when you hear somebody talk about race, again, within the context of what we are, we have our eyes on as a country, that's probably what they're talking about. So if you're a person that gets tripped up with that, um, don't let it allow you to get tripped up because you will literally stay in an endless debate on words. And that's not the point, right? The point, is, unless that's your point. But um, if the point is for understanding and to have a conversation with another person, um, just know that you don't, that doesn't have to be a stumbling block. Just know it's a language definition thing and not a larger idea of the human race. Yeah, and one of the things for me is also thinking about like, you know, what's the significance? So, you know, we can have this definition that, you know, when we're talking about race, yes, we're talking about the human race, but more often we're talking about it, you're white, you're black, um, mm -hmm. and, and then sometimes conflating it, like you said, with ethnicity, like you're Asian, you're Italian, and, or what have you. Yes. Um, but what is it, you know, what's it for? Well, it's not really for anything because there's nothing biological, psychological, physiological. I mean, the, you know, the, there's nothing that we have, there's no difference in terms of anything important about a black human being and a white human being, for instance, other than the fact that one is more darkly complected than the other. There's nothing else that's tied to race that's worth really talking about. Is that, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I, I think so, because um, I think so much of everything else that we have determined to tie to it is man-made experience, right. right? So everything that, even the conversations we are having about history, mm -hmm. that's all man-made, it's all made up. It wasn't, you know, um, I mean, it could have been anything you know, from the beginning of time, right? But it's it's this, um, and this it, this is the historical context that we live in. But you're absolutely right. I mean, as people, as a race of people collectively, you know, we are, we are created the way that we're created as human beings. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So the I mean, that's you you wove in something really important, I think, just to highlight, which is when we talk about race there's no nothing scientific worth bringing in because there's nothing scientific enough to you know make an, a, any serious impact on what makes one person different from the other but the narrative element the human element that's where all the confusion and all the problem is and that's tied obviously to you know history as well because history is nothing but a narrative and the history kept keeps getting keeps changing in the retelling right and 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 depending on who's you know who's looking back so i guess the next term that i would love to have you help me understand is so when we talk about you know race i think we have an, an idea of what we're really talking about but then we have this other thing called prejudice and how and that sometimes is you know again tied to race, racial prejudice. So help us unpack a little bit about what, what what do we mean when we're talking about prejudice or discrimination and are those different? And if so, how? Sure. 
yeah, oftentimes prejudice will also be interchangeably used with bias. Um, and, and with those things, and I'll use them both for our purposes interchangeably, um, you can have things that are conscious and things that are unconscious. Um, so with prejudice, you, you certainly have things that are conscious, mm -hmm. which when you start to move into uh, realms of intentional racism um, and things like that, like I, I'm looking at a group of people or a kind of person and deciding to treat them negatively or keep them out of something um, based on who they are, um, how they've been created as people, whether that's ethnicity or gender or whatever it is we're talking about, right? That's, that is all sort of that conscious pre uh, prejudice. I'm choosing to see this group negatively, right? And then you have the things which actually, and again, this is my opinion. So if anybody's watching and has a different opinion, that's that's cool. It's just my opinion that much of what we deal with on a one-to-one -one relational basis is unconscious prejudice. Mm -hmm. um, and because I think those things are based on lots of times um, experiences that we've had or ways we grew up or, you know, and a lot of those things are subtle, right? They're subtle things that later turn into what, another term we won't get into, but another term called microaggressions, mm -hmm. right? But those things are subtle. Those things are things such as, um, uh, you know, I was talking to a, a friend and they said, you know, um, this, well, I, just so I don't out my friend, I'll, I'll, I'll make this up. So, you know, every time as I was growing up, um, Asian men were the ones that would kind of eye me up and oogle me and, you know, that kind of thing. And so therefore, you know, I got a little, a little bias towards, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, Asian men because of experience, right? Now, this person doesn't hate people doesn't hate a whole group of people, but that certainly informs how that person interacts with another group of people. And sometimes, again, that stuff can be unconscious. I mean, that happens to us all the time with things that are not regarded with ethnicity. Um, I mean, it's like food. We're prejudiced with food, right? Like, because it's unconscious, it's, it's these sorts of things. And so the unconscious prejudice are a lot of the things that I believe right now are being revealed. Um, mm -hmm. Even as people are becoming more self-aware uh, in the conversation on ethnicity uh, and, and culture. So prejudice is just that. I mean, you're keeping any group of people or a person out of something, maybe that they're entitled to human rights or whatever, simply based on who they are as people. Now that, starts to get bigger when you take it outside of the one-to-one -one relational dynamic. And then you start to talk about things such as the historical systemic racism that has happened in America. And that is just a fact um, in our history. That is just a fact that, that you can prove. You can go back and prove the prejudice, the systematic prejudice that was set up um, in our country that we're still, you know, in many ways, uh, trying to fight through. So just to, to rephrase 
mm-hmm. or reflect just um, again for clarity's sake. What I'm hearing is that prejudice is a value judgment based on whatever the characteristic is. So when we're talking about racism, mm-hmm. we're talking about race, which doesn't really matter. But now we're saying but I make a value judgment that a person of this color is not entitled to the same life rights, what have you, as a person of, of this race. And there's nothing correct or justified in not that, but it's just it's just the prejudice is you having a value judgment based on whatever characteristic you choose. You can have prejudice based on race, you can have prejudice based on religion, you can have prejudice based on gender, sexuality, what have you. And the thing that I just just one one thing to tease apart so that we're clear. I hear people talk about prejudice. That's not I'm not prejudiced, that's just my preference. Well, yes, uh, we are allowed to have preferences. Like, yes. I like chocolate ice cream. I'm right. not a big fan of vanilla. That's right. just my preference. But when I say, if I say chocolate ice cream is better than vanilla ice cream or vanilla ice cream is crap, that's now right. I'm making a value judgment about the whole genre yes. <laughs> of or subcategory of ice cream. And that's now I'm, I'm moving into prejudice because I've gone from stating a preference to making a value judgment based on a meaningless kind of characteristic that in the grand scheme of things doesn't have any value to it. It's just... And then if you're not careful, that's when things become a solid principle for you where then you start to say things are right or wrong. And that's where things get very dangerous because there are many things, I mean, there obviously there are some things that are right or wrong that we would all agree as a culture. Um, however, there are lots of other things that are very gray and that depending on our cultural come from, our ethnic come from, we may see them as right or wrong, but what they really might be is preferential or cultural. Yeah, well, and so it gets, it gets murky real quick. Um, but all the more so when and i'm i'm totally game to talk a little bit about microaggressions because i'm not sure i know exactly what that is um so if you're willing to tease that out just a little bit i'd I'd definitely like to go to the systemic piece sure so you want to hit microaggressions if that if that makes sense yeah, to absolutely to before we because the systemic mm-hmm. piece is the is the big humongous oh, piece that, yeah. and that's the piece that we actually have to solve but micro yes. microaggressions is another one of these little pieces yeah. that feeds the the beast so so again language right whoever came up with these terms uh the language can sometimes be confusing particularly when you use the word aggression and so most people that have them wouldn't think about them as aggressions they would just, in fact, they probably wouldn't even think about them. So for instance, I'll give you some some examples. Some things that, um, I'll, I'll start with what I know, that uh, black Americans can experience are statements. Microaggressions are usually statements. Um, one of the statements uh, that I'll just tell you right now, and if, and if your people are watching, this is a great thing to keep your foot out of your mouth. Uh, if you're trying to describe uh, a black person in America who you just think is 
intelligent and awesome and that kind of thing. A microaggression, how they would experience a microaggression would be, you're so articulate. Mm -hmm. Now, the person saying that is probably trying to give a very clear compliment. However, a microaggression, how that can feel as a microaggression is, well, what did you expect? Or, you know, another one that, that we hear a lot is um, you're so well-spoken, which can translate into your expectation of me was that I was going to have a certain kind of accent or a certain kind of um, perspective or come from. All right. So that can be seen, particularly in a workplace, as a microaggression. Right. Now, a better thing to do would be if you're going to make a comment on something that was very clear from a person, and it's just all people in general, like just strike the well-spoken and articulate out of your vocabulary, right? Instead, talk about the insight that you heard, right? So have the focus be on what you learned, not on the person themselves. Does that make sense? Well, so again, that, it's, it yeah. sounds a little bit like value judgment. Like, yes. you know, I'm saying, yes. oh, you're really well-spoken. And I, of course, I mean that yeah. as a compliment. I mean that as I, I'm in, uh, trying to, um, uh, I'm, my intention is completely yep. unracist. But, right. <laughs> but so, yeah, so this is really tricky, right? Well, it's really hard for me because like I'm just thinking yeah. like as a coach in the mm -hmm. Akimbo workshops, one of the things I'm famous for saying is great job or really well stated, you know, mm -hmm. usually followed by the exam, like, you know, like yeah. a reflection or a statement. Um, but see, that's different, Scott, because okay, good. what you're addressing <laughs> in that moment is you're addressing the idea. It's exactly what I'm talking about. So like okay. I've heard you say things like that or I've seen you say things like that. And I don't take that as a weird thing, you know? It's because you actually are talking about the idea which then encompasses the speaker. Mm -hmm. It does, right? No matter who you're talking to, uh, no matter what that person's ethnicity is. But, you're, but it, it first addresses the idea and whatever the person said as well as giving value to um, to that speaker. Um, and again, I think with some of these microaggressions, um, you, you won't hear about them, honestly. I mean, I think people, people won't say a whole lot about it. Um, it it's starting to come out now because I think people are starting to feel safer of just keeping it real about their experience. Here, here's another one, for instance, is around gender. I can't tell you how many times somebody has rolled up to me and said, you know what, you're a really great female leader. And my response to them is usually, you know, you know what? I think you're a great male leader. Like, just think about that. Like, how many how many times have people said that to you, Scott? Man, you're just a really great male leader. Yeah. You're such a great male coach, Scott. <laughs> right? Now, again, it's it, the person who's saying it. It's, I think, a lot of times the intention is good. But how that lands sometimes on people, you know, it, I mean, if you can just see it that way. Now, here's what I want to encourage is you, 
I don't think any person can be constantly walking on eggshells about anything. But I think I would love to see the posture that we start to get in as people. The in any conversation, I'm probably gonna, you know, screw something up or say something that's not whatever. But I'm hoping that first in my friendship groups that they will give me uh, a, a word I love, which is grace and space to get it wrong. And if I do something, I trust that somebody's gonna have my back. But then also because of those relationships, hopefully, that then starts to dictate how we operate in the world or in our workplaces or in our churches or in our synagogues or wherever we are, right? Even in the club, you know, <laughs> like those things start to inform that. Well, I think, that's, again, a piece really worth highlighting is, I, I know, like for me, the microaggression thing, I don't, I you know, I have a deeper understanding, thanks to you, and I'm grateful to know that I'm not being a little microaggressionist <laughs> on the boards, but um, it's still like real. And so, you know, I can even, even though I'm a person that's um, not, my default setting is not to 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 keep my mouth shut and, and not do or say anything stupid. My my instinct is actually quite the opposite: open your mouth and say something stupid. But, right. um, yeah. But you know, I can feel that like a little bit of hesitancy. And so the thing is, is this idea to me that you're pointing to of like consideration? Like we have to have the conversations because the pro one part of the reason why it's so bad is every time these this this old wound and the and the consequences of that flare up we legislate something and then we think that we're done like oh okay we took care of it because we passed another law well if that were true we would have solved this with the emancipation proclamation or the civil rights amendment and we haven't so like just the the, the consideration of I want to be able to, to, to say something knowing that I might be sent, you know, not be barbecued or canceled just because I happen to say something that is either outright wrong or could be interpreted to be yes. wrong. Um, and I love your word grace. And I think it's a really important one. Like we have to, you know, we're going to have to hold a space for grace for, I think, a very long time here for each other. Yes. One last question about the microaggressions things before mm -hmm. we move on. So I totally understand what you're saying about like, oh, you're a really fantastic woman leader. I mean, that that's clearly to, to me an unnecessarily distinguish, distinct, distinguishing feature. You're, you know, you're a great leader. But when we talk about culture and we talk about how sometimes we define the culture by, you know, black culture, mm -hmm. white culture, mm -hmm. marginalized culture, dominant culture. Um, you know what, you know, we, and we talk about like leadership in the way forward, you know, do we, you know, what happens when we start hearing things like black leadership or female leadership or, mm -hmm. um, you know, that sort of thing. Are we, are we dipping our toe again into the microaggressions or are mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. or are we assigning <laughs> a cultural attribution mm. that we want to weave more into, you know, the entire culture. Our, yeah, that's such a great question. And I don't think it's an easy one to navigate. But 
usually I think it's safe to assume that you always have to know what is the context of the conversation I'm in, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and this is so, some of that nuance, I think, as just being human beings that I do think is innate to a lot of us, right? Or that we've learned here in our culture in America is, you know, if we're having a conversation about, you know, for instance, that let's just, I'm making it up, but the lack of diversity in our, you know, in our government, let's call it that, the lack of diversity in our government. Well, then it's certainly fine to have a conversation within the context of that conversation about, okay, well, you know, my favorite question, who's missing? You know, who's, who, so who's missing? Who's missing that would be a great um, person with a come from that we don't currently have that just now makes the decision-making body of our country that much richer? That's a great question to have, because again, it goes back to the idea of prejudice we're not making a negative value judgment on a person. It's actually quite the opposite. We are now saying, we are now looking at culture and saying, we realize that culture enriches what we do as a country. So therefore, what is it that we need to look for, you know? And then we can have conversations about, wow, it'd be really great to have some, you know, more women in this space or some more, you know, um, uh, Korean leaders or more Vietnamese leaders who are American, you know, that kind of conversation. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. I think, uh, well, and so maybe diversity is another term worth exploring a little bit because that is, you know, written into the American dream, right? We, mm -hmm. I, it's emblazoned on the Statue of Liberty, like, bring me your, right? And so it's, I, I feel like we've been, we cherry pick when we want to talk about the diversity of whatever it is, racial, gender, um, sexuality, or, or what have you. Mm. Um, and I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of context, but you know, we are, I can't think of a single time when we're not stronger, when we have more voices being added more because it's, it's not just voices, it's perspectives and yes. you know, your, your term come from, which I love. It's yeah. like, you know, if we're going to build a bigger, better, stronger, America, yes. the entire nation, we have to we have to have a the, the 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 diversity has to be reflected in all of our institutions, not just the political ones. Yes, and and some of my work, even with with the idea of, of diversity, is to say, you know, can we? I mean, I think the answer is yes, but can we move from a space of tolerance? to a space of embracing mm -hmm. you know i really think that's when things start to change if some of the the issues with diversity equity and inclusion work which is why i'm hesitant to say that's what i do um because a lot of that work so far unfortunately in companies has been about compliance right so it's been about you know 
hey, let's make sure we get our DEI work this year. Check. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like, I mean, it's you got to start somewhere. So I understand that. But it also kind of promotes this idea of tolerance, right? Like, let me just get enough just to get through this work day. And then I'm out of here. I'm doing my own thing, which, you know, is fine. But still, like, we have an opportunity to create some really welcoming, beautiful cultures, even at work, you know, or even in some of our public spaces or that kind of thing. If we could have a perspective shift and start to build a, a culture of um, what I've been terming honor and curiosity, yeah. right? Like if I can look at your culture, Scott, and, and be reminded like, oh man, I had so much to learn about someone like Scott, you know? Um, or, you know, and you can look at me and think the same thing rather than be, um, feel paralyzed because either you don't know, or every time you try to know that you don't have any relationships in your world to give you some space to, to, to be wrong and some space to grow, you know, and, and we need that when we're learning anything new. Yeah. Well, you just landed on the piece that's been bumping around my head for a little while now, which is a curiosity piece. I mean, we, you know, if you are truly curious, then, um, then value judgments are going to be put to the side because you can't be curious and judgmental at the same time. And you can't really be curious and anxious at the same time. I mean, if you are truly have this posture, just like I'm trying to explore and understand your experience because I just don't know, then, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for forgiveness of the, the occasional foot and mouth moment, faux pas, you know, what have you, because you just, you can't know what you don't know. And so that this is how, this is how we move toward understanding, deeper consideration, more inclusion, more, you know, a diverse, more diversity of voices and opinions. Um, and there's just this whole idea that, you know, if we're a little bit more considerate and a little bit more curious and a little less judgmental and a little bit um, less overconfident, um, this is how this is this is the process by which things get better sustainably. Yeah. You know, and for. Well, let's 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 move to the the big, hairy, audacious <laughs> thing, which yeah. is um the systemic piece and i'm going to just throw spitball you know the things that leap to my mind and and hope that you can help tease them out for me Mm -hmm. you know we have systemic racism institutional racism um we also have you know are hearing people talk about white supremacy culture or dominant culture you know people and we're hearing about marginalized um you know, populations, you know, how do we, how do we wrap our heads around, you know, all the bigness in all of those terms? Mm, That's so good. Yeah. And and just to say again, that within these conversations around ethnicity and culture, these terms are really loaded. Mm -hmm. And for those of you watching or or will watch this later, just know that if you're feeling that there's nothing wrong with you, they are loaded. Um, and particularly when you, if you don't, if this is your first step into 
trying to engage on culture. These these words are gigantic, right? So let let me just pick a few. Um, white supremacy is really hard uh, for a lot of people, mainly because of the images mm -hmm. that they elicit, right? When I say white supremacy, I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, I understand a bit, you know, obviously a bit more now, but back in the day, I, all I think about is, you know, KKK, you know, guys protesting with swastikas, mm -hmm. um, boots, skinheads, like, you know, like that kind of, that's the image that comes to mind. And I think for so many white Americans, that is the resistance around that term. I think so too. Right? Because it's like, when you think of yourself, you're like, no, like, no. Never. Not me. I am not doing that, right? Not even close to that. So, again, in the conversation, now that we have these words that we're talking about, just know that more times than not, when you hear the term white supremacy, it is not talking about those things necessarily. It is talking about how all of these things intertwine so that white Americans are still the majority culture in America. Although America is this beautifully diverse place, right? White Americans primarily still hold the power in this country, which <laughs> then means that if that is the case, that you know, more than likely white American culture is what is served, okay? and what is offered and what is called normal and what is called right and what is called you know the the, the ideal mm -hmm. so again just know that when you hear that that is part of what people are trying to express there is a um a podcast episode that i did on, on my my uh, podcast called culture coach my friend george um, who I call, his name's George Hopkins. He, I call him a cultural historian. And I think he's starting to take this, uh, this term I, I've been giving him. He has such a great definition about white supremacy. He's an African-American man. Um, and he basically says, you know, think about, about white supremacy and that term whiteness this way, that that term serves no one. Right. Right. Like, the ideas of white supremacy and whiteness, they don't even serve white people because there are these, these ideas of literally whitewashing anything that is related to your cultural heritage as well. So not only does it call on non-white people to assimilate into white American culture in order to survive, it also calls on white Americans and people who immigrated and people from, you know, who immigrated from Italy and Ireland, all these, all these places, the idea of white supremacy and whiteness asks you to do the same thing, right? So therefore you are now Scott the white guy, right? <laughs> right? Which means nothing, right? because it, it strips you of your cultural heritage too. So whatever your cultural heritage is, I'm sure there's stories for you as well of you know your family line and that kind of thing. The idea of whiteness and white supremacy strips everybody. Yeah. 
um, of the essence, if you will, of who they are. And so I think that the harder part is for white Americans who are part of the majority culture, that still, again, the idea of whiteness looks like normal. And that's why it's hard to see, you know? Um, I don't know if that makes any no, sense. No, no, it's so- Because it's you, a broad topic, you, but- you brought, you brought up something earlier that I wrote down and, and it's perfect time to circle back to this. Mm-hmm. So when I'm having these conversations with, with folks that look like me, and we talk about you know white supremacy culture or the dominant white culture or systemic um you know racism the arguments i frequently get are um yeah but my folk my people were were um eastern european or Mm -hmm. or irish or italian or jewish or what have you and they they suffered too they had to earn every you know it's like yes Mm -hmm. but it was not written into the constitution that your ethnic yes. group was less than human. That's it's right. It's not written into the constitution that you are property. It's not That's written into the amendments to the constitution that now we're going to let you be real human. I mean, that's that's a systemic part that Yes. Yes, I you know, I I applied everyone who earned, you know, earned what they got or you know, has earned but you can't we're comparing apples and oranges when we talk about yes. the, the race-based systemic piece That's because right. we have an entire population that for 400 years has been marginalized in certain places where it is enormously more difficult for them yes. to earn their way That's right. out um and 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 i will just say that that argument doesn't always um, and the way that I would like for it to end, but that, no. I, I think it's that's hard to see. That's the real, and so this, but this is the piece. This is the unconscious piece that you were speaking to, is because we have been immersed in this culture yes. for a long time. We are fish swimming in the ocean, and if somebody comes up to us and says, "How's the water today?" We're like, "Well, what's water?" What's water, the, right? Right, because we've always been immersed in this and so when we talk about white supremacy culture we don't get it we don't see it because it's always been this way if, if you look like i do whereas if you are black or asian or you know and, and some other um you know white ethnicities you know you do have a different perspective on right. that you do see it because you have seen how you and your people have not had the same opportunities and that the doors have not been open as long or at all. Um, I'm so glad you said that because you're right. Going back to what you said initially that those are two completely different conversations. And that is the point about when people are talking about systemic racism is, I may have said this last week when we were on together, but you know, there there is sort of this idea of, you know, slavery was 400 years ago, get over it, okay? Which, all right, logically, sure, that was a long time ago. However, um, the, the, the experiences, the mindsets, the um, having to deal with the systems that were racist after slavery ended, you know, those 
things continue for generations and they are passed down. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I remember things my, my grandmother, who's a beautiful 94 years old, you know, there are things she has passed down to me because she lived in segregation, mm -hmm. right? That maybe aren't for me here in 2020, but she still passed them on because what else is she supposed to pass on, right? So having an understanding of, you know, it's kind of like we would never tell victims of abuse, of sexual abuse. Like that happened 15 years ago. Why aren't you over it? Well, why? Because we, un we understand the effects of trauma um, on, on other things, right? And how it's passed down and how people live with those things oftentimes most of their lives. I mean, if you know anybody who's gone through abuse, they, they live with that stuff forever, right? So now think about um, the fact that, and, and this is, we, we kind of lean into privilege as well, right? I think the misunderstanding is privilege has nothing to do with the fact that a group of people did not earn something or work hard or, you know, take advantage of opportunities. It's not a, it's actually like literally not about that at all. The idea of the privilege piece and even the systemic piece is, is the idea that your skin color, right, and your come from is not a hindrance as you navigate through America, right? right? I mean, I can tell you, I may have shared this with you before, but you know, like I, I got my, my hair relaxed when I was nine, right? I mean, nine-year-old kid. Now this is my natural hair, right? This is where my hair looks. But at nine, you know, my grandmother and the women in my family, the amazing black women in my family said, we need to straighten her hair. Because what was passed down to them is that this means that I don't get a job in America, right? I can't work for Verizon at corporate with this, right? I can't run a Fortune 500 company in white America with this because people, right? The dominant culture people will look at this as a threat or it will be one more barrier to people understanding me, okay? So at nine, I get my hair straightened so that I can function and be successful in a majority culture world, okay? Now think about that. Think about, again, the history of what was passed down to me by the women in my family who lived through that. And I had to, they changed the natural texture of my hair to reflect more of white society so that they would understand me more. Like there's not a whole lot of white women that are trying to make their hair look like this, right? Why is that? Because I'm not the majority culture. So they don't have to in order to function in the world. And that's just a small thing. Like that's just one little thing. But like that is, those are the kinds of things where we're, trying to have conversations around and to help people understand is like, you can literally go back, try to find the history. I know that we weren't taught these things in school. We weren't, most of us, but go find it out. There, it, there is a long, long history 
of, um, you know, our, our people group trying to make waves and the system, whatever that parts of that system is, trying to say, no, you stay where you are. Mm. Now, is, is opportunity available for every person? Of course. Of course it is. Like, that, we're not talking about that, right? You know, I can still go buy a house without redlining. You know, I, I can do that now, right? Uh, as a black person in America where, you know, that was a law before. Um, I can do that now. However, think about even though the opportunities are somewhat equal now, think about a majority culture of people who have also had things passed down to them, right? Mindsets and that kind of thing that perpetuate a system from, you know, years ago and they don't even know it. That's the conversation we're trying to have. Well, I'm really glad that you wove that privilege piece in because that that is another, you know, another one of the terms that, you know, that and that, that can be the real trigger in those conversations I was just talking about where I say, hey, you know, it's a, when we're talking about systemic racism, they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, my people didn't. Yeah. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. but, you know, there there is some of this privilege. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, and then the danger is when, when is that what has historically from the beginning been privileged turned into entitlement for a very long time we have a lot of entitlement to get over so we um once again our our half hour has i know right gone a little bit longer i want to i want to i want to try to end with a little um with at least a little bit of hope and and Mm -hmm. so you know, I think what th- this con- what I love about this conversation is is you know now we're t- now we're just t- we're putting the terms out there like you know they're just definitions they're just mm-hmm. this is just we're just talking about mm-hmm. language and mm-hmm. so um, you know we can strip away all of the emotional yes. baggage and all of the value judgment baggage to say this is you know here's here's what we're talking about it makes it a little i think a little bit more possible yes to say okay now that we ha- can identify and agree on and acknowledge like here's here's the things that we have to work on mm-hmm. so then let's talk about like what how do we how do we work together mm-hmm. to create what i think we all like it doesn't matter who you are you want to live in a society where you are allowed to flourish where you are allowed to develop your potential and deliver on your promise mm-hmm. and where you have access to the same opportunities as everybody else and you and i talked about this a little bit last time I think that historically we've looked at everything as there's only so much and so some people have to have and some people are not going to be able to have and that's that's really not true now more than ever because now in terms of opportunity the only opportunities that are going to be sustained going forward are the opportunities that involve human to human communication collaboration ability to um, think critically and 
and react creatively to solving difficult human problems yes. um, because the algorithms and the machines are going to take care of the you know the ditches and the and you know and the driving so yes you know what does it what what do you think it takes um for us to mm -hmm. look beyond arguing about vocabulary and mm -hmm. start to you know paint a, a vision for what the world that we all want to live in and how we can work forward it's a great uh, question. To, to, to move forward in that. I think several things. The, the first thing is, is um, not only do we need to give each other grace, but we need to give ourselves grace and space to learn. Um, I think with anything, any new thing that is being revealed to us or we have to learn, um, it's frustrating, particularly for those of us, I think, that are over 30. <laughs> it's frustrating to think that you could be bad at something again and have to spend some time getting better. But, and this is part of the hope in race conversations, right? Ethnicity conversations, culture conversations, is just to know that you have to start somewhere. You're not going to know it right away, right? And particularly if you're a white American, depending on your come from, um, you have to be okay with the fact that a lot of non-white people are ahead of you. But that's because we have had to be, mm -hmm. right? We have had to be multiculturally living people in order to survive in the country. And that's uncomfortable when you're part of the majority culture because you're used to leading the way. So now having to be led by non-white people, it's just different. So approaching all of these conversations with a posture of learning um, is so important. Think about learn, learning it as a new skill or a new piece of technology or a new, whatever it is, right? Approach it that way. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is arm yourself with an arsenal of questions, mm. particularly when it comes to loaded phrases. Don't be afraid to ask, what does that mean? I mean, that will take you up out of your feelings, <laughs> right? Because we all hear stuff that, you know, can tick us off, right? I hear stuff all the time about my own community. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, that's not who we are, you know, but with terms and loaded things, just ask, what does that mean? Or what do you mean by that? Can you explain that to me a little bit more, right? Arm yourself with those questions for conversation. Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is, I know we're in COVID times, but I'm telling you, get out there and be with people, even if it's just at the grocery store, because it will remind you of the humanity mm -hmm. of people that live in this country. If you stay in your home too long, even with COVID, all you see is a digital version of people groups everywhere and that is one dimensional so get out there experience the kindness from people that don't look like you right have somebody open the the door for you you know i mean when you experience the kindness of people um that also starts to position all of us in a great way to receive something new yeah i love all that I think the first step is to 
find what can we all agree on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all agree that we're all human beings mm -hmm. and that all human beings want to do is to, you know, is to feel worth, you know, feel a sense of significance and worthiness, mm -hmm. a, a little bit of happiness, maybe even joy, mm -hmm. um, and to, you know, just that whole idea of flourishing, significance, being able to explore and who they are, but also develop who they are. Yeah. And that there's just, there, there's so much abundance of opportunity. We don't have to worry about who, who you know, dividing by, things that don't matter to d decide who's going to get what, mm -hmm. you know, we all want to flourish and thrive and for our children to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and then can we build enrollment? Mm -hmm. You know, can, mm -hmm. can, can we have a vision and a mission that we all agree on? And that might mean that, and, and that we can't, we can't wait for somebody else to fix it. And we certainly can't expect our, our broken systems to, to uh, talking about political, you know, the, the, this is, this is not going to be solved by legislation. This is okay. not going to be solved by executive order. This is not going to be solved by bringing in the national guard. This is going to be solved by, to your point, the conversations that have happened in the grocery store. Um, and, and by, you know, everybody working within their sphere of influence, knowing that everybody that they come into contact with has an additional circle of influence and that will, it'll just keep rippling out. And that at some point, whatever we can build outside of the systemic problem, you know, the, 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 the institutions that have caused systemic problems mm -hmm. will be so undeniably better for everyone yes. that we'll just be able to say, that's, I'd rather be on that bus i'd rather be on that journey with those people they seem to be going somewhere that's a lot better than what's going on over here and so that just that idea like we have to on a human to human level we have to start talking about you know what's the journey that we want to be enrolled on yes and then are we willing to take daily steps towards you know that possibility because it's not going to ha nothing is going to change tomorrow yes. next week next year but you know we've been on this historic march we've made progress mm -hmm. undeniably we have made progress but because we've never really dealt with the the, the causal piece mm -hmm. we keep working on symptoms instead of the the disease and now we have the opportunity to just say let's Mm. let's pull it out at the root yeah. and i and i just want to say i totally agree with that piece like like maybe i've been thinking about this a lot mm. like it, it probably really is somebody else's turn to lead mm. you know the leadership should be as diverse as the population is and the fact that it's been pretty consistently looking one way for a long time i think it just means that we have to and that's and and that's not uh that's that doesn't mean that those that have had have to now be punished for having had right. for so long i think absolutely again there's so much abundance yes. and I, I feel like we can 
you know, I don't think we have to relive the past or live in the past or, you know, like here we are, where do we want to go? Yes, we could, let's acknowledge all of the, the things that have been done poorly or wrong, but where do we want to go now? I yes. think that's a lot more important. Yeah, and, if, and, and just one thing on that about leadership, you know, if I, you know, if the, if the U.S. government brought me in to consult with them, right, the first thing I would tell them is you cannot lead a multicultural country as a unicultural leadership team. I mean, our, our country is a perfect example of what we're talking about, which is, you know, you can't make, I, I mean, and it has nothing to do with whether somebody's good or bad. It doesn't. It just has to do with come from. You cannot have a monocultural body of decision makers for a multicultural, multicolored America. It's impossible, right. no matter who is leading the country, the, the team, the decision makers of the U.S. government has got to better reflect the diversity of America in order for us all to move forward a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And we better do a quick. That's all I got to say. You are not lying. <laughs> Nikki Lerner, my friend. It's been so nice to have a 60 minute, 30 minute conversation. I know, right? It's the <laughs> best. We stretch time, Scott. We do. We, we've, we've got the time space continuum thing yes. nailed. If, if we can just get the rest of it, we'll be okay. That's right. Yeah. Um, so we're on tap to do this again mm -hmm. next week and uh, the, we'll be in your space. Um, yeah. it, I think we're doing that Tuesday next Tuesday. week. Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll, if, if you, the viewer, uh, either live or, or in replay have found any value in this, please go ahead and, and spread the word, direct people here, or better, even share it where, wherever you live online. And uh, this, is, this is how progress is going to be made, and this is how we're going to make things better together, by sharing conversations and asking important questions and uh, just leaning in together. So, Nikki. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you. We'll talk soon. All right.